Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to week four of the Building Thriving Families podcast. Uh, just as a quick recap, you know that we've been doing this in kind of conjunction with our sermon series that we're going through, not necessarily covering the same topics, but just introducing uh, each week just an, a, a, an array of of families and and differences and just the uniqueness of family dynamics and just bringing people in that call Grace Church home and and just having a conversation of what that means uh, in the the families that they've been a part of, that they've grown up in, and that they are leading themselves. And so uh, if you have been listening here so far, you probably have been subscribing and sharing, and so just ask that you continue to do that as we march through uh, the back half of this podcast. Uh, It has definitely been a blessing to be a part of it and the conversations that uh, that have been shared, and, and today promises to be uh, just the same. And so, uh, once again, I have two guests, uh, Barb Maison and Josh Lehue, who offer some really neat perspectives and uh, in, in, in their family dynamics. And so, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and maybe, uh, Barb, we'll start with you. Just uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, and then just talk a little bit about, you know, your upbringing, you know, what your family dynamic was like growing up. Hi, I'm Barb Maison. Uh, I was raised in Chicago, Illinois, uh, with a big family. Uh, my dad was a doctor. My mom was a uh, a nurse who then retired to raise eight children, wow. all of which were males except for one female. Uh, <laughs> so a largely male-dominated, high-testosterone family, wow. of which I was the second to last. So I'm kind of, uh, I have a lot of older brothers, one older sister. And it was, uh, I was very blessed in the sense that I had tre- tremendous parents, um, and the family operated somewhat like a company. We all had our jobs. Mm. We all had responsibilities. We all had to work for our pay, for our allowances, things like that. But at the same time, it was just a wonderfully supportive situation, Mm. wonderful holidays, a lot of love. That's pretty cool. Yeah, really fortunate. Eight. Eight. Mm -hmm. Man, can you imagine living in a household of eight? Mm -mm. No. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> Let me correct. That was we have seven. When my mom had eight, she had six boys and and two girls, but one died. So, mm. but we r- raised in seven. So five. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah but still, wow. big. Oh, and every dinner was it looked we looked like we were at, uh, pots, big pots, and you know, it was like all you could eat kind of things, and coming back, and it was the race to see who was going to get seconds and. It was just really, it, I was really, really fortunate. Wow, wow. That's really, really yeah. neat. Uh, uh, any faith in the in Yes, in there? raised okay. as a Catholic. Uh, definitely um, went to church every Sunday. My, my parents were devout followers of the Christian faith. And all of us were growing up. Uh, many of us since then have gone our own ways. But we definitely were raised. As a matter of fact, I went to all Catholic grammar schools. Oh, yeah. Then private Catholic uh, high school for one year, and then I'll talk, we'll go about this later, but we did a switcheroo, and my family moved to South Carolina. But up to that point, everybody in my family had been raised in private Catholic schools. Wow. So, yeah. Great. Yep. That's great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Josh, how about you? Talk a little, introduce yourself, obviously. i kind of done that for you, but you can do it again. <laughs> and then just maybe a little bit about your family dynamic growing up. Yeah. So I'm Josh Layu. Um, I grew up in a very small town south of Pittsburgh. So my parents' house is two miles north of the West Virginia-Pennsylvania line, straight south of Erie. Um, 
small family. So, uh, just me and my brother, I have an older brother, three years older than me. Um, and our family dynamic was very different than Barb's. Um, so my parents growing up, it was, they were at the bar every weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the, that was our life. We went to a friend's house and there was a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking. And it was just, you know, that was our, that was our normal. I always joke, but it's, really not a joke that like my brother played on the church softball team and we were the family that was sitting in the bleachers drinking and smoking at the church softball game. Right. (laughs) And now I'm like, really, that was us, but it was, um, really no faith in our household other than my grandmother. She was, you know, very involved in her church, but I probably went there twice my entire life. Um, and then it was very interesting because my mom had a heart attack when she was 41 years old. She survived, but our entire life changed overnight. Um, the pastor, from the church where my brother was playing softball, showed up at the church, asked my mom, Hey, if you were, if you would have died, do you know where you'd go? And she's like, absolutely. I'd gone to hell without a doubt. And that day, my mom and dad both stopped smoking, stopped drinking, like everything changed. And so it was like (laughs) very, very abrupt. Sure. Um, but she started going to church. I started going to church with her. My dad started going to church with her and you know, the family dynamic. So I kind of lived almost like two different family dynamics in the same, in the same kind of youth. Of yeah. My life. How old were you? So your mom was 41. How yeah, old I think it was about point? 15. Okay. So that's yeah. a pretty formative time of your life to, yeah. to go through that. Yep. So I'm sure there were internal stories like, what the heck is this? We're going to church now? Like what the, oh, yeah, okay. it was, yeah. it was interesting. And there were various pushbacks right from me so it was my my mom is the only female right and then it's me my brother and my dad yeah and uh we all had our excuses and my mom's like well i'm going with or without you wow wow now barb you mentioned uh, a second ago that you were in chicago Illinois, and then you moved to south carolina Mm -hmm. and then that was kind of like talk a little bit what your face i I, we can't see faces on here but i can see the face and what 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 was that yeah what what's what's the my dad was a doctor and he had a lot of stress he had a private practice he worked out of two hospitals and he was getting to this point in his life where he decided there's more to life than this and so he decided to move to this little town in south carolina and the last half of the family had no decision in the process. The older ones were in college or married. They could do what they wanted. But the last half of us could not. So we had to go. And all we ever knew was Chicago. And then we moved to this little town with one traffic light and one gate at the airport and pigs and cows <laughs> and farms. And I'm a sophomore in high school. My sister's a senior. Oh wow! And my little brother was in eighth grade. But it was such a traumatic change. Wow. We hated our parents. Oh. We hated them. We would be honest. We just were like, what did we do to deserve this? And right. What were you thinking? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Turned out to be wonderful. But yeah. boy, that first year. Tough. Tough. Let me just tell you, I went to a high school. Being a female, I was taller than every person in the high school except for the black basketball players no way yes and i and i walk fast and i talk fast and everyone thought i was an alien thank god for sports i fit in with <laughs> you sports. fit in with sports you found your niche yes oh gosh okay so now you're obviously all grown up well at least in in form and and you're now uh, you both have families of your own i'd love for you to each talk a little bit about you know your family dy- dynamic now, uh, what, however, you know, you, how much you want to share with that? Yeah. Um, so I'm married, four kids. Um, 
the three. So they're 2017 about to turn 16 and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, three boys and a girl. Our daughter is the 17 year old. Um, and the three older kids are my wife's from a previous marriage. Um, so that was interesting before, before we started recording, we were talking about like team Michael, team Maison and like, we don't have a team because it's not team Lehu. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it, we, we are a team, but we don't have that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't have moments in the past where I longed for that, mm. but that's, we are who we are. Yeah. And my wife has done a fantastic job of making sure that we all understand, like we are in this situation and this is not a detriment to us. Mm. Our family, we, we get along People probably see us and think, oh, yeah, that looks nice. But we actually do all get along. Like yeah. our teenagers, our, our teenager that's in, or our 20-year-old that's in college wants to come and spend Friday nights with us, right? And like, what more can you ask for than yeah. that? Um, so it was a weird dynamic. It's never, nobody ever plans their family that way, yeah. right? Nobody ever says, because I went through a divorce as well. Nobody ever is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get married. I'm going to get a divorce. I'm going to marry somebody that has kids already. And it's going to be amazing, right? right? That's not how we think about it. But like families can be messy and they're not always how we design them to be. But we are so thankful. It's forced us to grow through some of the difficulties. Hmm. And I am 100% confident that I would not be the person I am if I would not have had to grow through some of the struggles of our of our blended family. Yeah, that's really good. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit later. I think that that's important, especially for your 20-year-old to want to come back and hang out on the weekend. Sh- sh- just demonstrates, Barb's giving you a thumb up, giving you a thumbs up, but just demonstrates that you, you and your wife have done stuff uh, you know, it, it little drips here and there that have obviously contributed to to him wanting to come back home. Yeah. So yeah, and his dad too, right? Like sure, his, yeah. his dad too. That's I mean, a it's it's point. a it's a team effort that we've all kind of built that environment together yeah. to make our kids want to spend time with us. Yeah, mm. good. Barb, how about you? Um, yeah, I, um, my husband and I married a little later, and uh, we could not have children, so we adopted, and we adopted our uh, daughter Mackenzie. And it, but it goes back before that. I remember thinking. I wanted five kids. And then, you know, that wasn't obviously going to be the plan because I married later and then I couldn't have children. And I thought, this is really cruel. You know, I come from this big family. My mom shot out kids like a Pez dispenser and I can't have children. So anyhow, we, we wind up adopting my daughter, which I am so grateful that I got the experience to be a mom. I just was so important that I got to be a mom and I got to be a mom of a very, very, very special child in a lot of ways. But it's just so different than what I grew up. And I struggled for the longest time at holidays and um, summer vacations and stuff where there was nobody around. All my brothers and sisters live all over the country, but nobody lives near me. And I was just so used to always being around crowds and, Mm. and all that. And now it's the three of us. But with that, we have developed such a close bond um, and my husband's family's in Gettysburg and, uh, and that kind of thing. So again, nobody's really close, but the three of us have done a really nice job by developing friends yeah. who've become close and we do things like that, but yeah. no one's close, no family members are close, which yeah. is really a struggle for me. Yeah. I, so I struggle with that as well. I mean, we grew up, I mean, our family wasn't eight. <laughs> we Not everybody's eight. is. <laughs> but so my wife's side, she actually, her 
her mom comes from a a pretty actually both 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 her father and mother come from at least six on both sides mm. and so she grew up just with this i remember going into the first family kind of you know function and i walk in and there's like 75 people i'm just like these these cannot be all your family. She's like, oh yeah, these are all my family. She's just like, this is uncle this and this is cousin mm-hmm. that. I'm just like, and this is going to take a while yeah. kind of thing. But we both were the ones that moved away and we've, you know, we've, we moved far away, mm-hmm. you know, hours away from both sets of parents. I, on my family, the same thing. We were all in the same, you know, town, mm-hmm. you know, on the mm-hmm. east side of Cleveland. And, um, we, when we left and we moved up, we never really um, re- realized the, we didn't realize what we were missing until we started having kids of our own. And we're just like, holy cow, we have no family around here. Uh, and so that's, you know, kind of the reason why we've been doing the, mm-hmm. the series, the sermon series, just in general, just like, let's take a look at the biblical understanding of what family looks like and tribe and, and this, this, this team being on mission. And so, I th- you know, you both come from very different spots. Uh, both in upbringing, um, but you're both here mm-hmm. today, and, and we're sharing this conversation about the commonalities and the differences that we've got and how we're using that. And so, we, you know, when you take a look at the, the idea of family, we've been talking about how the nuclear family is really a modern kind of view on it. And if you really look back from a biblical, biblical standpoint, there were generations that were living under the same roof or, or at least in the same proximity. Mm-hmm. And there was just this, you called it a company. Mm-hmm. You know, that's such a cool, <laughs> such a cool, but yeah, everybody had their role. And the same thing holds true for way back when, because the the tribe needed mm-hmm. everybody to play their part. Mm-hmm. And J- Josh, you have the same thing going on in your house. You have four kids and everybody, you know, has a different role to play. And, and family's still a complicated subject to talk about. It's so complicated. And when I think of Josh and what the family that he was raised in, for most of his adult life till 15, dare say dysfunctional. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. And when I see... I, that was just the tip of the iceberg. The, I didn't go into all the details. Okay. <laughs> but I see the father that you are now, and even with a blended family, I, I just, I think that's amazing because most people don't do it well who've been raised in really well, uh, loving family units. You didn't even have that, and yet you've developed that with Cora, and I just think that's that's amazing. Yeah, what was interesting is the I always felt loved as a kid. Like, it was very dysfunctional love, but it was love. Like, I never questioned whether or not my parents loved my brother and I. Um, and there were so many things they did right, but there was just a couple big things that they were doing wrong, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's such a good lesson for all of us is, like, we're not going to get it all right. Right? We're, we're going to get stuff wrong. I always say like parenting is one of the hardest things because I'm a nerd. So I say it like this, right? The feedback loop is like 30 years and you don't know if you messed it up until your kids are 30 and then you're like, well, too late now. Right. Um, but like there were so many things that my parents did. Right. And it's like, it was the fundamental stuff. Yeah. Like they stopped and talked to us and looked us in the face mm-hmm. when they were talking. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they told us they loved us. We sat mm-hmm. down when it was possible. We sat down at dinner together. Like there were things that they were doing that at the time I didn't, I didn't notice that they were a big deal, but as an adult, I'm like, that's the stuff that like it mattered, right? Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. the other stuff was messy, but that fun there was still some solid fundamental stuff there that that was foundational for my brother and I. And if I can add one thing, 
my father was a doctor and you know there's always getting back in the day when they made house calls he would always be getting phone calls and having to go out dinner time that was like nobody answered the phone i thought hmm. oh my gosh these poor people calling but there was no answering the phone at dinner time and at the time i used to hate this but when i look back on it he would engage with us we'd have questions to answer we'd go around the table and we had questions he would make a game of it but you had to answer a question so you couldn't just sit there and shovel in food <laughs> you had to answer questions but you know it made us interact hmm. and it showed that that meant so much to my mom and dad that we were all around the table and that we were all interacting yes and that is something that's really lost now that's really beautiful okay so uh, from both of your perspectives, I'd love, you know, I want to switch, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about, you know, the, the church, the big C church. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily just talking about Grace Church, but just your interactions with the church as a whole. How's the church, uh, how's the church done it well when it comes to family? Like what has the church gotten right when it comes to talking about family, uh, and you know, resource, whatever that looks like, you take it wherever you want. But if you could just speak to that for like a minute or so. I think Grace Church does a lot of good things in the, in the fact that you see how many families are drawn to this place. And if they weren't doing it right, I don't think they would attract as many families as they do. In my particular situation, we've had more of a struggle because we of our daughter having special needs. And in particular, she can't handle crowds. And uh, so we have spent m- many years of one of us, well, mainly me, coming to church. And my husband stays home and does a, a special lesson with my daughter, which is difficult. But... Also, too, we, you know, over the years, we've uh, been working on to, trying to form a dis, uh, an ability for uh, adults like my daughter to be able to come and be a part of it. And I'm so grateful that Grace has opened their hearts to this idea and that with Scott's help, we're moving forward to be able to do this so that at some point, uh, our family will be able to come back together as, as a family unit coming to church. But there's so many other communities in the church. In, uh, excuse me, so many other families in our community who are not coming to church for the same reason or a variant, variance of that reason. So, um, but it's just so important. I, I know how important it is to my family. I know how important it is for families who've never experienced what we are going through and who are in homes, uh, group homes, things like that, and have no way of getting here. So, I just think there's a lot of things Grace is doing right, but we, like anything, we can always do more. Yeah. So I hear environment from just like the opera. There's an open, uh, friendly, warm, and welcoming environment mm-hmm. that the church seems to have done mm-hmm. from the standpoint of that's why you're getting to see so many here. I know you've been a part of different churches as well. So if, mm-hmm. you know, if you could contrast, not saying you don't have to say names, mm-hmm. but just Josh, from your perspective, you know, what's the church kind of gotten right when it comes to family? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think specifically what I see here is Grace Church tackling tough subjects. Mm. Uh, I think there's so much um, missed biblical teaching when it comes to family because there's a lot of potential backlash with difficult topics. And Grace Church, at least my experience the entire time we've been here, is that they don't shy away from those things. And as a parent, that it, that means so much. As a family, that means so much to have your kids sitting there and listening to a pastor talking about something that's really difficult and it opens the door as a family to have that conversation, which might be a really difficult door to open depending on the topic. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, 
the church that I grew up in after, you know, the story that I told earlier, um, they had, they did a fantastic job with people with special needs. Mm. Uh, they had an entire community of people that that's what they did. They drove around they picked them up. They took them to church. They cared for them while they were there and they drove them home and make the, made sure they got home safely. And it was like, what a beautiful thing. Um, we get to touch a little bit of that in Grace Kids where we talk a lot internally about this is not just about caring for the kids. Like, obviously we got to care for the kids clearly, but also this is a, this is space for parents, right? Like if we're not doing a good job of taking care of the kids, the parents are in the sanctuary thinking about what's going on with their children. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of those things just, I guess, generally just care, like general care for people and tackling of tough subjects. That's good. And to parlay off of that, especially with the adult special need population, after they get out of high school, after they get, there's so little there and so little care about, you know, whether or not they get to church. Yep. It's, uh, so that's why it's, it's in, and think about what they have ahead of them in this life. And if anybody needs to be nurtured and cared for and loved, it's, it's that um, community as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. So I hear that, Barb. I hear you saying that, and it's, it's probably a miss by the church that it, it's a largely unreached, uh, you know, if we were to say unreached mm-hmm. people group, an un- unreached community, mm-hmm. literally in our own backyards, mm-hmm. uh, that the church, you know, might have has some work to do, kind of thing. Yes, if I hear I, you the saying church as a whole, many have really rejected this population because they look different, they're kind of scary, or they make noises, or whatever. They have really not been welcoming in the past. And that's why we've lost a lot of families who are even willing to try because they've been rejected so often. Yeah, it's it's hard to hear, but it's -hmm. it's also very true. Mm -hmm. Josh? Yeah. Um, And that's that's tough because we deal with that in Grace Kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard. And and I'm not equipped. And I sit here saying that thinking my I mean, just being transparent. Like when you said that, I'm like, why am I not equipped? I'm sure there's resources out there for me to become equipped, and I haven't. So shame on me. Uh, I'm I'm going to say this on the podcast. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> um, and, but I think one of the other things is um, I see a lot of our church family outside the church. It's happening too, but where they have the household backwards, mm-hmm. where the kids and Derek touched on this in the sermon this past week, but where the kids are running the household, um, and you know I talking even in Christian circles and there's a lot of people in the church because I don't the church is not just the leadership right the church is is everyone here there's a lot of people in Christian circles that don't see that as a problem yeah and I think it's an it's an enormous problem that's already starting to come back and bite us and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse as long as we refuse to believe that we are in leadership positions as parents mm-hmm. and sometimes that means telling people no and sometimes that means disappointing people. And sometimes that means somebody being upset with you for all the right reasons. And I don't feel like as a whole, and this is not a Grace Church thing, but church as a whole, I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement in mm. that in that space. That's really good. That's really good. Okay, so um, this is a really good conversation. We've been touching on three main questions each week, and you know the first one has to deal with just like multi multi generational influence. And so I think I hear a little bit. We've already heard a little bit about that, but it, you know, Barb, from your standpoint, when with you and working with your husband uh, and and your daughter, what type of what type of intentional steps have you guys taken to introduce multi generational influence? Maybe not necessarily. Um, 
for your daughter it, herself could that very well could be what maybe for you and Kevin because you both you you, you said earlier that your families are not close by right <clears throat> and one thing happened about three years ago which was amazing um, my daughter finished her school career and so we all went down to uh, Hilton Head South Carolina and almost all of my family came and we had five days together, and it was really cool. And they really got to, you know, get a better feel for Mackenzie, and Mackenzie got a better feel for them. And it was just a wonderful time. So that was really amazing. And just recently, um, as of just this past June, I was able to uh, go to a reunion in North Carolina with my immediate family, but also cousins from my mom's side of the family, who I grew up with, mm. um, of which there was eight in one family oh and four in another. So that was 16 more cousins with their siblings and whatever, in addition to mine. So all of us together, there was 58 people Holy there. Holy cow. And, and it, but it was, and we had, I hadn't seen these people in over 30 years. And I thought, what is this going to be like? How is this going to roll? And thought, well, no matter what, I got my family, so that's great. It was ama- it was magical. We mm. all wanted to get to know each other better, and we we're only there for a weekend. It just flowed beautifully, and we all now are like have exchanged emails and texts, and uh, cool. I see a future of more connectedness. And so, so it really sparked a connectedness yes. and a desire to, yeah, to get connected. Yeah, they're already talking about trying to do another one. That's really neat. That's really really neat. Mm. What about for you, Josh? What was the question again? <laughs> Multi generational <laughs> influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this has been difficult too because my wife and I moved away from family as yeah. well. We both we grew up in the same town, so we both you know we're in Erie, three and a half hours away, um, and we talk a lot about it. It's difficult, mm-hmm. like it's difficult mm-hmm. to find ways to get our kids connected with the generation above us. We live in a neighborhood that's a little bit older, but even that, I mean, with our society, right? We come home and we go in our door and we close it and we come out the next morning. Um, so we've struggled with this. The church has been good, um, but quite honestly, like our kids connect with the older generation here, hmm. but then we go home and we do it again next Sunday, right? So so we're getting a little bit of it. Um, it's been something that's been really difficult. Now, my, um, my mother-in-law and father-in-law moved up a couple of years ago, they moved right down the street from us. Um, and so, and my father-in-law has been sick, but my mother-in-law, it's been, it's been, this is the first time we've actually had family in town, right? The yeah. next generation, my, my uh, sister-in-law lived here for a while, but um, being able to see our kids spend time with their grandmother is, you know, there's just no replacing that. It's yeah. really, really cool yeah. to see, but it, it, we struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have both talked about the so this the this idea and notion of team, and we can even combine this mm-hmm. to these mm-hmm. last two questions and just talk about, you know, is, is your family functioning as a team? And the, the last part is like, are, are you like you guys chasing after a mission? So like, are you a team on mission? You know, how are you functioning in that mm-hmm. space? Just and, and be honest, you know, mm-hmm. I you know uh, we're still a work in progress in Team Michael. We say Team Michael mm-hmm. all the time, but. Um, you know, we don't have like a, here's the objectives and goals for the month and kind of thing. Mm. Um, I was like, no, we would never do something like that. <laughs> Ours is much more free flowing, but it, we do use the expression team maison often, especially when things are a little tougher, things that we don't want to do. Or if my daughter feels like I, I, I don't want to do that, or, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to just go down and be by myself. Um, the challenging things in particular will say, Hey, Team Maison, let's do this for the team. And it usually will spark her, and it reminds both of us. 
Mm. Right. It's easy when things are fun or going well to be Team Maison. <laughs> right. So I would say the times that we have to kind of remind each other that we're Team Maison is, <clears throat> is in the more challenging times. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Josh, how about you? Um, I would say generally we function as a team. Um, we do what we call force support. So like, hey, listen, you want to play hockey your siblings have to go to some of your hockey games, but guess what? The hockey player also has to go to the theater events, right? Like, and, in you know, it, it starts out as like a joke, like it's forced, but they enjoy that. I really believe that may now maybe, maybe I'm just lying to myself. <laughs> you'll find out in, what you do, you'll find out in <laughs> yeah, 10 years with yeah, the oldest. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, that that's one of the things we do is like, we support each other. That that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, you're not there because that is your favorite sport or you love theater. You're there because that's your family there and you should be supporting them in what they do and cheering them on because if our family is not going to cheer us on, who's going to do it, right? Um, are we structured? No, no. Anybody that knows me knows that <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard pass on the structure. Um, we have talked about it and we've dabbled with it, but we've never committed to like a like a true vision and mission for our family. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I appreciate the transparency. So, um, this isn't, this is, I'm just off the cuff because I hear you both kind of talking about it. So you both have a lot of life experience that has gotten you to this point, you know, both as those growing up in completely different backgrounds of family, uh, and, and the experiences that you've experienced and now as parents as well. So, you know, my, I guess my, my last question kind of revolves around the idea of you, we've been walking through this series. You've been hearing some of the, the talking points of the sermons. What has God been kind of like, you know, speaking to you at some point of like, what's the next step look like for you as a family? Um, this, this one's is challenging for me. Um, my family, uh, um, my family's going through some real serious health challenges right now. And as a result, uh, we're drawing even closer. We're trying to do a lot of family activities together, um, enjoy what we have. So our next step is just in the process of growing as a family, appreciating what's here at the moment, and making memories. Hmm. That was beautiful. For us, I think the next step is we, we talk again a lot about being countercultural, but we need to actually do it. Um, you know, we fall into the boat. My family gets tired of hearing me talk about looking at screens, right? I, I run a software development company. You'd think I'd be the one that's on screens all the time, right? <laughs> um, but it, it, we, we fall into this. They're very entertaining, right? So we fall into this, this boat where we're all sitting in the same room and everybody's looking at a tiny screen. Hmm. And my wife and I had this conversation. I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this, but we talked about like vacation. Vacation's important. It's important to get away and spend time together. But I'm like, us and so many other families are sacrificing their days, their hours with each other so that they can plan a getaway to spend time together. Hmm. I'm like, what would it look like if we actually just spent our Sunday through Saturday, like actually spent time together? Hmm. Um, what would it look like if we could take two hours on a Sunday afternoon and didn't have to rush off to anywhere else, hmm. right? What would that look like? Um, I long for a time like my grandfather where we joked that you couldn't visit him without spending at least two hours. And it's like, yeah, that's right. 
that's how it should be, right? Like, yeah. cause you just sat and you talked. Yeah. Um, so that's the next step for us is for me to be the bad guy and push on less screen time. Or, or Josh, <laughs> you're the coach that provides a little bit of like challenge for, hey, this season, this is kind of what we're chasing down. And I think yep. that's, you know, yeah, you could use the bad guy language. And I mean, they're going to look at you, but at the same time, teams and players always will look up to the coach for the guidance and direction because that's the that's the person that they trust. So they're like, okay, well, this person's been placed here to, to lead. And so I think that right. that's just, you know, a reframe that we, I think as all parents have to like, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the bad, the bad mom or, you know, the, mm. I think God has given us the gift of being parents yes. and yes, there's not a playbook, um, you know, with written out plays like, okay, well, this is your one and this is your five, but he has given us his Holy spirit to kind of like guide mm. and direct us and provide us the wisdom and understanding. And I think this is the mm. importance of the church kind of coming together in seasons where, you know, there's, there's, there's transitions and there's a sweetness of celebration and in seasons where there's hard and, mm. and it just feels like you want to rip your hair out. That's where the team of, of the church kind of can come in and be an influence. And so, um, everybody, uh, you know, hearing this has been blessed by your con- by yeah. our conversations. I cannot thank you enough. It's well, it's been great. I would love to have just one more little thing. Sure. You know, we went through this whole series on the Holy spirit and I loved it. it. It has given so much to my life and growing up in the church, it didn't really emphasize the Holy spirit and how important it is. And the Holy Spirit has been so crucial to both my husband and I in every situation. It has had so much more meaning. So that was the first thing. As Josh mentioned, some of these gospel, some of these sermon series have just been so meaningful. And then you come into this one where it's helping all of us to realize how the devil is working so desperately yeah. to, especially with screen time, especially with this wonderful candy that we all have that's so attractive. But if you don't have a church family, if you don't have these lessons, if you don't have things to keep inside you to stay strong, you can see why things just unravel so easily and even without even being aware. Yeah. So it's great that we can have conversations like this and be able to talk about the family and how important it's at the core. Yeah, that's really good. That's great, Barb. That's really good. Mm. Okay, so just like I've said at the at the end of every one of these, the important thing to remember uh, is that no matter where you're at, that's the that's a good place to start. Don't let the guilt of not doing stuff impede you from taking the first step to whatever God's got planned kind of down the road. And so I just encourage you to use whatever nuggets uh, that were shared, and there were a lot of them that were shared from Barb and Josh today, and just kind of take those and have conversations with uh, your teammates and your and your coaches uh, that, that you're coaching alongside and, and, and kind of tell like, what would it look like to implement one of these into, you know, our practice moving forward. So, uh, praying for each and every single one of you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.